returning to our series on the Lord entitled The Lord's Prayer, very original title, uh, <laughs> of course not, um, but it is a blueprint for praying with perspective, and I said it's kind of a partially um, topical and partially expositional. Oh, by the way, children, uh, if you are the ages, whatever it says in the bulletin, uh, four years old through first graders, time to be dismissed for children's church. All right. Didn't quite give you a good cue on that. As I suggested, uh, it is a blueprint and it helps structure and shape our prayers. It doesn't just give us content but it does give us a good outline in which we can then, from that, extrapolate and go further and deeper uh, into the thought that is provided by the Lord Jesus as he was teaching his disciples to pray. So once again, our scripture reading will come from Matthew chapter 6, where we find the Lord's Prayer. In one of its versions, Luke also has a version, but we're looking at the Matthew version and begin reading God's word, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 12, where we'll be hitting on in verse 12, what's in focus today. And then I'm also going to read for our scripture reading another important passage from Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 through 35. Here again, the word of the Lord. Verse 9 of chapter 6 of Matthew's gospel. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Then over in the 18th chapter of Matthew's gospel, beginning at verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. Since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out 
he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servants fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand and remain forever. Let's pray and ask his blessing upon it. Fathers, we look today at your pardon. We ask that once again you would send the Holy Spirit to help us to see things that are spiritually difficult for us to grasp. And that you will send your Spirit to empower us to to walk in the newness of life and in the ways of of the one who has loved us and loosed us from our sins. Father, we pray that you would help us to have understanding and apply your word and live by it more faithfully and more joyfully. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Today, many people are burdened by guilt. A great ponderous load of guilt that they know either instinctively or by so many failures over and over again that it is a debt they can never repay. Others, ironically, walk around feeling as if They have no guilt at all. They have no sense of anything for which they should regret or be sorry or admit that they have done wrong. They feel really pretty good about themselves. But the interesting thing is the Lord's Prayer has the answers to both of those conditions. It has something very, very encouraging to say to those that think and realize that they can never pay the debt they owe to God. And it also has something to say to those that feel as if feelings have anything to do with it, that they don't owe anyone anything, much less God, but in reality, theirs is a ponderous debt beyond their wildest imagination. 
and they are in peril unless they turn to God and seek his pardon and ask his forgiveness. For the last few weeks, we've looked at several aspects of the Lord's Prayer. We've looked at God's paternity, his fatherliness. We've looked at his person, and we saw how that we should hallow it and respect it and revere his name. We looked at his program and saw how the kingdom, we're to be praying for its coming and that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then last week, we looked at God's provision. Finally, things turn from your, where God is first, as he should be, is the first part of our praying structure. But then, finally, we get to turn to our needs, and we can go and ask the Father for our daily bread, the provision that God provides for us in his wisdom. Now, this week, we're going to be focusing on what we could call God's pardon, the reality of the forgiveness of sins. I remember not long ago, a few years back, hearing a particular um, uh, Christian personality pastor being interviewed on a, uh, a news channel, one of the uh, big networks. And, the, and this person, the, 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 the interviewer asked this pastor, said, look, if you could... If you could summarize it all into just one thing, if you wanted the world to know one thing about Christianity or about being a Christian, what would what would it be? And he said that with God it is possible to know the complete forgiveness of sin. That the world I would like them to know there is a way in which you can have the total forgiveness of your sins. We're going to look at this focus on God's pardon with three labels or tabs, whatever you want to call them, headings. The caution, the confession, and the consequence. Caution, the confession... And the consequence. Let's look at the caution first. You say, well, you know, don't throw caution to the wind. Let's put it up front. Let's get it right out there in the open. If you were listening, especially when I read that verse from Matthew 18, or if you were to go on reading after the Lord's Prayer is officially over, the way Jesus summarizes it, you would realize that Jesus takes pretty seriously the matter of our forgiveness of others. That's a big deal for God and for the Lord Jesus. It's very important being a part of God's family. Being followers of Jesus. Jesus says, if you're my follower, then this should be the reality about you when it comes to forgiving others. I won't read, I already read that passage of the two servants that both owed great debts and yet, and yet a small debt on the, in the part of one and yet God forgave that debt and yet then the other servant went out and what? Strangled and demanded payment and was unmerciful to the one and he owed, the second servant owed a beyond all belief greater debt. 
And yet he was unwilling to be merciful after he had been forgiven so much by the master. And the master, of course, turns and scolds him for his faithless, unfamily-like response. As we read that passage in Matthew 18 and others that we could read, it would be very easy to conclude, or at least be ready to conclude, that Jesus is teaching that God's forgiveness is absolutely conditional upon our forgiveness of others. Now let me say that again. You would get the impression, probably understandably so, that maybe Jesus is saying, the only way I can get forget get God's forgiveness is if I match pound for pound, inch for inch, stay right in stride, right in harness with my own forgiveness. But we need to be careful. God is not in the tit-for-tat business. God is not saying, you know what? You do your part. I'll do mine. You forgive enough. You be a good boy or a good girl about that, and then I'll do so for you. No, that's not the point of this passage. And the context shows us otherwise. You see, that if that's the case, then that's a work. Salvation is not by grace, based on what God has accomplished and done for us. That's the gospel. But if it was this, it'd be a work in which that being done merits a reward, a response, a tit-for-tat response. Keep in mind the whole teaching here is what? Jesus teaching his disciples, his followers, teaching Christians how they should pray. It's in the context of having a father in heaven who is a sin-forgiving God. That's the context. We are received by the Father. Why? Because of what we do now, future, or past? No. Based on what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago, applied to us through grace by faith. We are received by the Father because of the work of another. And his name is Jesus. His work is the source and foundation of our forgiveness. Let me put it another way. It's a reflection of, not the reason for our forgiveness. Listen again. Forgiveness that we should have is a reflection of. We want to look like dad. We want to do what dad's doing. What our father's doing. It's a reflection of, not the reason for. It's not what causes you to be forgiven. Because if you are truly forgiven, it implies that you should want to willingly forgive those who owe such a small debt when you have been forgiven such a tremendously large debt. This petition deals with our own consciences before God. 
and the matter of our earthly relationships. So what is first being addressed is our own coming face to face in light of knowing our sinfulness. Can we really believe that we are forgiven? And then if we do and we embrace and we understand that, then it's implications, it's consequence to follow. So let's look at the confession now. I put out the caution to not misunderstand and turn this into some kind of works related tit-for-tat arrangement deal with God. It is not. That would be totally contrary to the gospel that is preached in the scriptures. But now, let's look at the confession. There is something we are called to do in this prayer. We are called to ask God to forgive us our debts. Now, whether you use the word debts or trespasses, uh, either way, they get at the same idea. Falling short of the glory of God, not measuring up, having a debt, and it's a moral debt, not a financial debt. And it's beyond anything that we can ever comprehend and understand. Because as the Westminster Confession, uh, con- uh, Confession of Faith, short of catechism, question 14 says, sin, when it says, what is sin? And ask that question. It says, sin is any want, that means lack, lack of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. So you've got to not only not transgress and, and violate the command, but if you don't measure up to what it calls for, what it requires, either way, whether it's by omission or commission, whether it's something you failed to do or whether it's something you did, you end up, a sinner justly deserving the displeasure and wrath of God. That's the predicament. And yet, Jesus is telling his followers to come and confess our absolute need, our helplessness. And yet, because of what God has done for us in Christ, to pray that we will experience the joyful forgiveness of our sins in our experience, in the moment. It's not just a, a objective point being made somewhere out here. Yes, your sins are forgiven. Put it down, write it down, statement. Yes, sins are forgiven. But do we feel that way always? Do we experience the forgiveness of our sins? We can say, yes, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, but then still feel awfully guilty because we know we have failed so much. What Jesus is telling us to do is to ask God to forgive us our sins, not in the sense of what he did to bring about our forgiveness. That's already been done 2,000 years ago on the cross. That's already been applied by the Spirit when we became Christians. That's when the verdict of not guilty has been rendered. But do we live in that moment experientially day by day? As we go through the day, as we fail and as we stumble and sin and here and there? No. We need to remember the forgiveness of God and ask that that we will experience it freshly and newly. 
It is a confession of absolutely need, absolute need to bring the experience of God's forgiveness to the weight of our daily debt. You and I have a daily debt that we keep piling up. We need to bring that forgiveness of God to bear on that. It's not talking about what we sometimes call paternal forgiveness. That's what Jesus did on the cross. That's what God applied when we became believers and by faith in Jesus. He applied the work of Jesus to us, took away our sin, and gave us his righteousness. That's paternal forgiveness. That's a fatherly forgiveness. And that's a once for all. That's why we can say our sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven if we're in Christ and if we have believed in him. That's an astounding claim, but that's exactly what the Bible and the gospel teaches. Because it's not your works that got you there, it's the work of Jesus. There's been a switch, a great exchange. And therefore, that is once for all forgiveness. But you and I go through the world and we stub our toe, we fall down flat on our face, we go take two steps backwards as we take a few forward. All of those things, we get dirty in the world, we get mucked up again, and we feel again the weight of our sin. We need the forgiveness of our sins to be experienced in the day-by-day moment. So Jesus is saying, pray. When you start feeling dirty, pray God to forgive you. Pray for his experience of his forgiveness that's there, but for you to feel and know it and live in light of it and feel the freedom that comes because of what Jesus has done for us. Ask the Father to make that fresh. Ask the Father to make that real in your life, in the face of your and my many sins. You see, when you say these words, remember who you're talking to. You're talking to your Heavenly Father. You're a child of His because of Jesus. And when you believe in Jesus, as I said, all your sins have been paid for. But we need to experience that. As believers in Jesus, we keep learning how much sin he paid for we keep learning how much he paid for but know that our father forgives our sins even the sins that we don't know about you know how we know that first time one night if we confess our sins what he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins but only the ones that we can get right on the list and account for I started out well, didn't I? But I, that last part's not in the verse. No, the verse says, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even the stuff that you don't know. You know what? I got, I got good and bad news for you today. You're worse than you think. You are worse than you think. You're not as good as you think you are. And I certainly am not. That's, that's Jack Miller's famous cheer up. You really are worse than you think. And what was he trying to say? Cheer up because you're bad? No. No. No, he's trying to say you think you understand how sinful and fragile and, and sometimes ungodly you are. But he said, you don't know the half of it. 
because you don't really know yourself like the Spirit knows you. You you think, and you know what? You can you can almost do a little bit of cataloging this. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you can remember when you first started. You had to think about, okay, what sins do I need to confess here? Um, well, I, I guess I wasn't real nice to that lady uh, in the. I kind of you know wasn't very considerate of her. The more and more you get to know Jesus, and more and more you get to know God, and get to know His Word, the more and more you realize, man. I don't just have a few sins here and there, which I, I, my thought life, that alone would sink every one of us a thousand times over. What we, it's not just what we say it's what, and what we do, it's what we think. So you see, but the good news is that 1 John 1, 9, because it's true, we can tell our Father our sins and know there are many more that we can't even bring out. We can't even talk about. We can't even confess because we don't even understand them ourselves. But knowing and asking for our Father's forgiveness. Let me ask you, do you really believe that you're forgiven? If you're a Christian this morning, if you have put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior from your sins, you're not counting on anything you've ever done or will do, but only in Him. Do you believe that your sins are forgiven? Do you really believe that there is no more wrath coming your way if you're in Christ? That day of wrath has already passed. It's hard to believe that, isn't it? But it's true. But do we live in that reality? You see, many times people give mental assent to a truth that they're convinced of intellectually, but not experientially. And they think that God is not really forgiven them. Some people, it's like, yeah, I know God forgives other people, but... You can't forgive what I've done. Really? Isn't that, isn't that sad? As if somehow God doesn't already know what you've done. Is that not part of what 1 John 1, 9 refers to? Listen to R.C. Sproul, the late Dr. R.C. Sproul. He says, yes, my sins have all been paid for in that once for all exchange on the cross. But Jesus taught us to pray for forgiveness as part of our ongoing communion with God. We need that. We need to take a shower in God's forgiveness. We need to be cleansed and refreshed. We need a fresh understanding, a fresh experience of his grace and of his forgiveness every day. You notice that there was an and in the Lord's Prayer? Last week said, and give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Daily bread needs daily, correlates to daily forgiveness being asked not just every now and then or once in a while or on Sundays No, you need bread you need provision to live every day you need to be coming to the father and 
having him deal and take care and wash away any vestige of your sinfulness and mine. Believing God's promise at this point is a major step in spiritual growth. And it also makes it possible to help us do what's coming. The last point here, the consequence. So what happens in consequence of experiencing God's fresh forgiveness experientially? And having been forgiven so much as we begin to figure out just the tip of the iceberg of what we need forgiveness for. In light of such mercy given to sinners like you and me, what should we do? Because you know God's forgiveness, you and I are to grant it to others. Because we've been forgiven, we are supposed to be generous and liberal and gracious in the forgiveness of those that have sinned against us. Many times people have done hurtful things to you, no doubt, as they have to me. And you know what? I have, and you probably have done hurtful things to others as well. Just usually not the same ones. We just remember the ones that did them to us, and then we don't kind of want to count some of the ones that we may have done to others. But many times, we know the sting of that, and it hurts. If you've ever been betrayed, it hurts deeply. There's all kind of ways that we can be disappointed and hurt by others. But I'll tell you this, gospel truth, it is nothing. It is trifling in comparison. I'm not belittling what you've been through or what you've suffered at the hand of someone else. But I am saying to you, based on the word of God, it is a small, small, piddling thing compared to what you and I have done to the king of glory, to almighty God. And he says, you need to remember that, my children. You need to remember that in your dealings with others. It's nothing compared to how we have treated God. Listen to these two quotes by Hayden Robinson uh, and uh, by Henry Newman. Hayden Robinson says, To squeeze pardon from a self-righteous prig is harder than squeezing apple juice from a stone slab. It's simply not in such a person to forgive. See, that's what self-righteousness does to you. Better than thou. You begin to think, and you don't believe you are on the same level as that other sinner. And so you want to hold on. You want to hold out your forgiveness because he doesn't deserve it or he hadn't sweated enough yet or whatever, hadn't paid enough for his crimes. And yet we want to have God be merciful to us. That's the whole point of the parable. Henry Nguyen said this, Forgiveness is the name of love practiced among people who love poorly. Forgiveness is the name of love practiced among people who love poorly. I'm one of them. Maybe you are too. You see, when you think about this, we begin to realize that God's kingdom is very different from the kingdom of man. But you know what? Here's one way we can have God's kingdom come a little bit more. Because every time 
that you and I forgive those who sin against us, guess what? God's will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. When you and I forgive someone else, we are doing the will of God as it is done in heaven. That's one of the tangible ways we can bring the kingdom. Advance its cause. It's important to realize that we cannot always assure the person we forgive will be reconciled to us. Some of you realize that. Some of you are still hoping there is a way that you can. And many times there is. If you wait long enough, if you're patient long enough, I've had things boomerang back to me that I wanted to happen, but it it, it was not right. It wasn't going to happen under the circumstances. Eventually, God providentially brought it together, and it was a beautiful thing. I long for still some of those in my life. I I wait and long for those days to have that, that reconciling conversation, to embrace. But until then, you don't know. What if the person's gone? What if they, you, you'll never... There are many things you can't do anything about. But there is something you and I can do about, and that is have a willingness of heart to forgive. Even if we don't get the formal circumstances to do it, we can from the heart, and that's what we read in that last passage in Matthew 18, from the heart, we are to be ready to forgive at all times. Maybe they haven't come. Maybe they haven't repented yet. You're waiting on that. But when they do, you're going to be right there. All over it with the forgiveness. All over it. Because you've been ready in your heart all along. You've not been tight and hard-hearted. But you've been gracious. Ready to forgive. My friends, make no mistake about it. Unwillingness to forgive is a cancer on the soul. It is a dog that bites the hand that feeds it. You feed it, I promise you, it'll rip your appendages off. I've told the story before a number of times probably over the years, but of George Washington Carver uh, being accosted on the dusty road somewhere in the central south Alabama. Uh, He and a friend walking in this big old strapping white boy came by and threw a elbow, knocked him into the ditch, and the other friend grabbed him up and said, come on, let's go get that, and probably used a few expletives. And Carver, you know, he, he picked him up. Carver knocked his friend's hand away and says, I defy any man to make me hate him. I defy any man to make me hate him. What was Carver saying? I'm not that stupid that I'm going to give somebody else control over my mortal soul. Because if I give into that and hate him and hold a grudge against him for what he has done, the evil and the wrong he has done, I become the captive. I am no longer free. I'm at his mercy rather than the other way around. You see, as the saying goes, 
Sometimes the life you save may be your own. You ever heard that? Someone else has said anonymously, forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and then discovering the prisoner was you or me. Forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and then discovering the prisoner was you. You think about that. Amen. Father, help us to be ready to forgive as you have been so ready and willing to forgive us. So great a debt through your, the work of your son, the Lord Jesus, who paid that debt in full. Now, Father, in our relationships with others, let us be quick to come to you to once again reassure us and to cleanse us from the stains of this world, Father, in forgiveness and setting our souls free. And then, Lord, may we be quick to look for opportunities to do that for others. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.